And a one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk Podcast. My name is Jason, and we are continuing today on our Bible in a Year podcast. Continuing on, my friends, we are at week 46. Week 46. And we're coming in here Thanksgiving week. Much to be grateful for and thankful for. And I'm thankful to have gotten to uh, read through the Bible with you all this year. It's been a... It's been an honor and a and a, a, a beautiful experience reading through the Bible in a year. Uh, I haven't personally done that before, <coughs> and, um, and it's been awesome. And so this week we're at uh, week forty-six. Week forty-six. We are in Ezekiel. Uh, we got Ezekiel one through nineteen, which is. Um, in a similar mode as um, uh, the other books we've been reading, uh, Jeremiah, and similar time period, but um, maybe even more trippier, which which I am always down for. And we are in Hebrews still. We'll finish out Hebrews. Uh, uh, maybe one of my my favorite book of the Bible. So encouraging. Uh, if you ever need encouragement, read the book Hebrews. All right, guys, let's jump in here. Let's get into it. We are in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1 through 19. We're going to start off with a bang here. Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel sees God's glory, the vision of four living creatures. In the thirteenth year, while I was with the exiles by the river, the heavens opened and I saw visions of God. Visions of God. The word of Yahweh came to Ezekiel the priest, and the hand of the Lord came on him. I saw a windstorm coming from the north and a great cloud with fire flashing out of it continually, and a bright light around it, and in the middle was glowing metal, and in it were the figures of four living creatures." Um, all right, this gets even trippier, but, um, I don't know, it sounds pretty UFO-ish deal, um, ancient aliens going on here, um, this is one of their favorites to look at. Here's these creatures, one looked like a man with four faces and four wings, straight legs and feet like calves hooves they sparkled like bronze under their wings were hands each had a face of a lion on the right a bull on the left and an eagle in the back two wings touching the other and two covering their bodies they appeared like burning coals of fire and it looked like torches going back and forth between them lightning flashes from the fire they moved around like lightning Mm. There were four wheels beside the creatures. The wheels were within each other and full of eyes. And the wheels moved with the creatures. They moved in the direction the spirit was about to go. The spirit of the creatures was in the wheels. Above the creatures was something that looked like ice or a crystal dome. The sound of their wings roared like rushing water or an army on the move or even the voice of God. When the creature stopped, I heard the sound above the dome, and I saw a sapphire stone throne. And on the throne was a man. Waist up, he was glowing metal. Waist down, he was fire and radiance all around him. I was seeing the brightness of the Lord's glory. I bowed my face to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me. Um... That's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible right there. <laughs> that is wild stuff. And uh, um, the imagery uh, um, 
I've I've actually tried to draw all these uh, creatures before the details and things of them. If you look it up, there's there's plenty of uh, different depictions of them. And I would go to say all the depictions you could find of this uh, doesn't do it justice. I've never seen anything that I I think this this imagery. Uh, I have never seen an image that does it justice. Is what I'm trying to say. Just the intensity of it, the the uh, uh, glowing metal, um, lightning. Um, this is this is uh, uh, almost beyond imagination. I'm trying here, and um, um, just just incredible. Uh, what he's seeing and um this leads into chapter two now the lord speaks son of man now he calls him the son of man the whole time that's his uh uh name for ezekiel stand on your feet so i can speak to you and as he spoke the spirit entered me i am sending you to speak to israel who have rebelled against me they and their fathers have transgressed transgressed against me they are stubborn and hard-headed they may not listen, but they will know a prophet has been sent, so speak my words, whether they listen or not. That's interesting. He's sending them, and he's basically saying they're probably not going to listen. Listen to what I say. Don't be rebellious like them. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. A hand appeared, and a scroll was in it. He spread it out, and in it had lamentation, sadness, mourning, and grief were written on it. The Lord said, After you eat the scroll, Go speak to Israel. He handed me the scroll and said, Eat this. I, I ate it, and it was sweet as honey. The Lord said, I'm sending you to the people who are not strangers. They're not foreigners. Foreigners would listen. Israel will refuse. Nothing will stop you speaking the message. I will make you hard like a diamond. Your face will be like flint. You have no reason to be afraid. Listen, then go to the people who are taken to Babylon. Tell them you have a message from me. The Spirit lifted me up. I heard the sound of rumbling behind me as the glory of the Lord rose and the sound of the living beings' uh, wings. The wind carried me away. I went with bitterness and wrath in my spirit. Unbelievable. I came to the exiles. I sat there for seven days. Then the Lord of the Lord came. Son of man, you are chosen as a watchman to the house of Israel. You will hear my word and warn them. If I say you will certainly die, and if you don't warn them, then their blood will be on your hands. He's basically saying, if you don't tell them this warning, their blood is going to be on your hands. And if you do tell them and they turn back from their sins, you will save their life and your life. When the righteous turns from righteousness, I will make him stumble and die. If you don't warn him, he will die. His righteous deeds will be forgotten. You will be accountable. If you warn him and he does turn, he will be saved and you will be saved. Um, quite a bit there about speaking up, I would say. Uh, the responsibility of speaking up. Warning. Uh, righteous warning. Um, there's a, there's a, obviously a place for that. If we do not warn people about the reality of, um, transgression, sin, where it's leading them, um, the way God feels about it, um, in this situation, God's saying their blood is on your hands if you do not warn them. And... At the same time, he's saying you have the opportunity to play a role in saving their lives and your own life by uh, obeying the word of the Lord. Uh, the hand of the Lord rested on me. Go to the valley. I will speak to you there. I went to the valley, and the glory of the Lord was standing there. I threw myself face down. I, I want to hear what that looked like as well. The wind came into me and stood me to my feet. The Lord said, Go shut yourself in the house. They will tie you down so you cannot, cannot go among them. I will make you silent. Then I will loose your tongue. And you will say, This is what the Lord says. Some will listen, some will refuse. Son of man, find a brick. This is, this is um, 
interesting. <laughs> Find a brick, sketch Jerusalem on it, build a dirt mound around it like it's being attacked by a siege, put poles uh, like you would use to break down the gate, set an iron pan between you and the city. It's a sign to Israel. Lie down on your left side, stay there for 390 days as a sign of Israel's punishment, one day for each year of suffering. Then turn to your right side for 40 more days. That's a sign to Judah's punishment, one day for each year of suffering. Shout at the brick that stands for Jerusalem. You can't leave till your attack has ended. So he's enacting this this little mini diorama drama. And he's part of it, and he's attacking... Uh, the model he's making here of Jerusalem. Make some bread. This is what you will eat for 390 days. Eat a small loaf of each day. Drink two cups of water. Check this out. Use feces to start the fire. Bake the bread over the coals. When Israel is scattered, they will also eat unclean food. I said, Lord, don't make me do that. I've never eaten an unacceptable food. Nothing unclean. The Lord said... Okay, instead of human waste, I will let you use cow manure. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. The people of Jerusalem uh, will be hopeless and afraid with little food. They will be in shock. They will die a slow death for their sins. Chapter 5. Son of man, get a sharp sword, cut off your hair and beard, divide it in three, into three piles. After you attack Jerusalem's the Jerusalem brick, the little diorama he set up. Burn a pile of hair on it, then burn a pile around it. Throw the third pile to the wind, and I'll strike it with my sword. Keep a few hairs and throw them in the fire. This fire will spread to destroy Israel. Tell Jerusalem, I am the Lord God. You refuse to obey, and you are rebellious. The nation will watch me turn against you and punish your sins. It will be more horrible than I've ever done or will do. This gets pretty raw here, guys. Parents will be so desperate they will eat their children, and children will eat their parents. Those who survive will be scattered. Your sins disgust me. You made the temple unfit. I swear to cut you down. A third of you will die of starvation, a third and more, and a third will be scattered. You will feel my vengeance. Lord has spoken. Chapter 6. And again, this is very reminiscent of what we've uh, been, been in this time period. And they kind of jump around a little bit um, with exiles because there was kind of a um, staggered exile of everyone, all of the Israeli people in Judah. Um, um uh, bet between Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. But it's a similar mode, this warning of impending doom, of what they've done. They've crossed a line um, uh, where judgment has been enacted. Uh, but still, the, he he's here warning them. And as if the Lord is giving them another chance, one more chance, um, in this psychedelic warning. Uh, chapter 6. The word of the Lord came. Son of man, set your face against the mountain of Israel and prophesy against it. I myself am going to bring a sword on you and destroy the high places. You will be slain in front of your idols. I will leave a remnant. Some will escape among the nations scattered through the land. They will loathe themselves for what they did with the idols. They will remember me. The Lord says, strike your hand together and stamp your feet in sorrow for what Israel has done. They will be killed and those who live nearby will be killed. Chapter 7, the Lord says, son of man, tell Israel that I'm saying Israel will soon come to an end. Your whole country is about to be destroyed. There will never be anything like this coming disaster. When it comes, your life will be over. Israel is doomed. Injustice and arrogance are everywhere. Violent criminals run free. Everything you own will be shattered. Uh, remember Jeremiah with the, with the pottery 
shattering the pottery. Buying and selling will stop. I won't change my mind. The signal has been blown on the trumpet. That's what I'm saying. Like They crossed some kind of line. It enacted this repercussions. To, it's coming. Um, the Lord said to Israel, War, disease, and starvation are everywhere. You will weep for your sins. Uh, your silver and gold will be thrown into the streets like garbage. No money for food. Your pride and your jewelry will be worthless. Murder and violence through the whole country. Chapter 8. Ezekiel sees terrible sins of Jerusalem. Six years after King Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin and the rest of us had been led away to Babylon, the leaders of Judah met at my house. The Lord suddenly, suddenly took control of me. I saw what looked like a human, but the figure was like fire from the waist down and bright polished metal from the waist up. It reaches out what kind of looked like a hand and grabbed my hair. Then in a vision, the Lord's Spirit lifted me into the sky and carried me to Jerusalem. I also wonder, um, he's seeing things he can't, he's never seen before. How would you, How do you describe something you've never seen before? He's doing the best he can. Bright polished metal, uh, fire, um, very interesting descriptive descriptions of these uh, figures, these creatures. The Spirit took me to the north gate of the inner courtyard where there was an idol that made God furious. I saw the brightness of the glory of the Lord just as I had seen by the river. God said, look north, and I did, and I saw the idol. Their sins are making my temple unfit to worship. Next, I was taken to the courtyard, and I saw a hole in the wall. God said, make the hole bigger. Then I realized it was a doorway, and I went in. I saw terrible things people were doing. Inside the walls were covered with reptiles and unclean animals, and the Israelites were worshiping them. Israel's leaders were there holding incense burners. They think I have already deserted them. Um... That's this. There's so many like reverberations um, throughout the scriptures. This reminds me of um, um, Sinai or um, times when God was there and um, uh, uh, Moses left for a short time, and they immediately think God is. Uh, gone, and they start worshiping other stuff. Um, they think God is is gone. It's very interesting to me this feeling of abandonment. They already thought he he had abandoned them, or that they had left, but he hadn't. He then took them to the north gate of the temple. I saw a woman mourning the god of Tammuz. This was a god of uh, vegetation that would die every year and be reborn. It was part of the, the ritual you would mourn for this god to come back. Then I was led into the temple's inner court. Twenty-five men were standing near the entrance, bowing down to the rising sun. God said, it's bad enough they do these things, but they also spread violence and injustice everywhere. They insult me in the worst way. Chapter 9. The Lord gives a command to punish Jerusalem. I heard the shout. Come to Jerusalem and bring your weapons. I saw six men come through the north gate holding weapons, a seventh carrying things to write with. They went into the temple and stood by the bronze altar. The brightness of the Lord's glory left its place above the winged creatures inside the temple and moved to the entrance. The Lord said, Go through Jerusalem and mark on the forehead anyone who is upset about the terrible things going on in Jerusalem. To the others, the Lord said, Follow him and put to death anyone who does not have a mark on the forehead. Show no mercy. Kill men, women, parents, children, but don't harm those with the mark. So again, this um, reminiscent of Passover, in a sense. Those with the mark uh, are being passed over. Um, they're receiving the mark because they... Um, 
they're upset about the terrible things going on. They don't agree with it. They don't. Um, there's a level of uh, repentance there, of mourning for what is happening. And um, God marks that. Um, there's something uh, there, I think, about the conscience. They These folks uh, obviously were salvageable. What was happening was still bothering them. I was alone, and I bowed out, crying to the Lord. Why are you doing this? Why are you so angry? Oh, sorry. Um, so I just said, the Lord said, Show no mercy, kill men, women, parents, children. Don't harm those with the mark. Then immediately uh, they killed the leaders who were standing there. The Lord said, Fill the temple courtyard with bodies, and they started killing people. I was alone, and I bowed down, crying to the Lord. Why are you doing this? Why are you so angry? The Lord said, The people of Israel and Judah have done terrible things. The country is filled with murder and violence. They think I don't see what they are doing. I will punish them. Just then, the man with the linen robe returned. Um, I keep thinking about that, the idea of God being gone. And the way people act, God, there's God, godlessness. We've heard that before, that word godlessness. How do people act without the idea of God? You know, um, God is not here. Then how do people act eventually? Um, he says that a couple times. They think, they think I don't, I don't see uh, what they're doing. As if he's gone. Godlessness. Chapter 10. The Lord's glory leaves the temple. I saw a dome above the four winged creatures, and on it was a sapphire throne. The man in linen robes, uh, to the man in the linen robe, the Lord said, Walk among the four wheels and pick up hot coals and scatter them over the city. He followed the Lord's instructions. The winged creatures stood south of the temple, and the man walked among them. A cloud filled the inner court. The brightness of the glory of God moved to the temple entrance. The entire temple was filled with his glory and was dazzlingly bright. The creature's wings roared loudly. The man in the linen robe stood by the creatures, and he reached out and took some coals. The, creature, the creatures had what looked like human hands under their wings. I also saw the wheels by the creatures, and they were covered with eyes. And the creature's bodies were covered with eyes. And the creatures called the wheel the wheel that spins. The wheels that spin. Each creature had four faces, a bull, a human, a lion, an eagle. The wheels always were with the creatures. The creatures spread their wings and flew into the air. Chapter 11, Ezekiel condemns Jerusalem. Um... The Lord's Spirit lifted me up to the east gate of Jerusalem. I saw men and leaders, Jehoshaphat and Palatia. The Lord said they're making evil plans. Condemn them. The Spirit of God took control of me, and I said, I, the Lord, know what you are saying. You murder many people, many of my people. I will force you to leave Jerusalem. I'll send armies to attack you. You will be captured and punished. You will be killed in your own country. Before I finished speaking, Palatial dropped dead. I bowed down and cried out, Please, God, don't kill everyone in Israel. The Lord replied, Son of man, the people of Jerusalem think those taken to Babylon are too far away to worship me. They think Israel belongs to them. Tell the Israelites in Babylon, I force you out of your country, but I will be with you wherever you are, so you can worship me. Someday I will gather you from the nations. When that day comes, clear the land of the idols. I will make you eager to be faithful. Those who worship idols will be punished. After the Lord finished speaking, the winged creatures flew into the air, and the glory of the Lord was above them and left the city. Then in a vision, the Lord's Spirit lifted me up and carried me back to the exiles in Babylon. The vision faded, and I told them everything the Lord told me. Chapter 12 
The Lord said, Son of man, you live among rebellious people. They refuse to see and hear. Before it gets dark, pack some things like you're going away. So he has uh, Ezekiel do another uh, um, uh, drama, little drama here for the people of Israel to see. He acts like he's sneaking out and leaving. Um, he says, later, leave your house like you're going into exile. Dig a Dig through the wall and crawl out with your bag. Cover your face. This is a warning to Israel. I did everything the Lord commanded. The next day the Lord sent me back to tell them, The Lord has a message for the leaders of Jerusalem. Everyone living there, I am showing you, you will be taken away prisoners. He will be led away through the wall with his face covered to Babylon. He will die there. His troops and officials will be scattered. And the Lord will track them down and kill them. Some will survive in the war and starvation and can tell foreigners of their evil sins. Ezekiel, son of man, shake with fear. Tell them they should shake with fear. The Lord said, Ezekiel, son of man, you've heard people in Israel say time passes and the prophets are wrong. I will prove them wrong. They had all these other prophets telling them other things as well. They say your visions and messages are about the distant future. Tell them it will soon come. There's, there's, um, through all of these, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, there's this sense of impending doom, this realness um, of, of this is happening right now. Like, like he says there, I, you really feel that, um, sense of urgency there's been different times in my my short life where you felt that sense of urgency and impending um, impending doom um, just think like uh, September 11th or during COVID or something there was a sense of uh, realness to that you don't always feel that every day there's um, that's a different kind of feeling, and and that's what's happening here. They say your visions and messages are about the distant future. Tell them it will soon come, because people talk about this kind of calamity all the time. Eventually, it comes, and and because it can be so uh, kind of far and in between, sometimes you think it's it's not real. Like they're saying, what he's saying isn't going to happen. This was real. 13. The Lord said, Condemn the prophets who use my name to speak, but speak from their own imaginations. Like I was saying, there's other prophets there as well. Those prophets are doomed. They don't warn the people about what is coming. They don't speak for me. They say there will be peace, but there is no peace. They try to cover up Jerusalem's evil. Mm. There are also warnings. It's very similar to... In times, all of this uh, verbiage, this feel, it's very, very, very similar. Uh, some people saying there'll be peace and prosperity or a way to bring peace, covering up sins, hearing what you want to hear, having your own prophets from their own imagination uh, tell people what they want to hear. Uh, the Lord said, Ezekiel, son of man, condemn the women who preach their own message. They are doomed. They wear charms and scarves, then trick people about predictions of the future. They lie. They help the guilty go free. I hate magic charms. I will rip them up and tear their scarves and rescue my people from their power. Because part of this is uh, really interesting to me. Um, these magic charms, these other prophets, they literally had... The people were involved... But there was like a co-signed um, thing between the people and these false prophets and magicians or sorcerers or witches or whatever. Um, they were feeding into each other and, and they literally had a power, these magic charms. I will rescue my people from their power. There was a deception there, but it was amplified by a literal power coming from somewhere 
or is a literal power in in this amplified deception. Uh, they lie to good people and encourage them to do wrong. They will no longer let these women use their magic and false messages to control people. So I think people wanted to hear these things. Uh, it reminds me of drugs, too, or drugs or substance or any of those kinds of things, too, where it brought them comfort, this idea of peace, um, covering sins, um, um, dealing with guilt, uh, covering guilt, uh, giving comfort in that way, the... the, the um, uh, the magical part of it, the newness of it, talks about their imagination, they're imagining things. Uh, Paul talks about that too. Uh, people wanting to hear something new, novel. Uh, the fact is they messed up and they better face reality or um, um, it's not going to go well for them. And He's trying to wake them up like out of a stupor, out of this. Uh, they've been charmed. They've been um, uh, hypnotized by these things. Chapter 14, one day Israel's leaders came to me and asked for a message of the Lord. While they were there, the Lord said, these men worship idols and it will cause them to sin even more. So no message. Tell the people of Israel if they worship idols and ask for a message then they will get a message that will turn them back and stop them from worshiping idols. Tell them, I am the Lord. Stop worshiping, worshiping idols and come back to me. Ezekiel, son of man, if the entire nation sins against me, I will punish them by killing the crops and the livestock. That's interesting, too. A national sin. Not just one person, not just a group. A whole nation collectively sinning. Uh, um, I think we can see how that can happen. It will bring um, bring about its demise. Uh, and this is interesting. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there and they were faithful, I would not save anyone but them. If I would punish those nations, I, would, I wouldn't even spare those men of faith children. He's talking about Noah, Daniel, and Job. He wouldn't even spare their children. Um, this is unlike, unprecedented. Uh, he said that. What he's what he's doing is going to be worse than what he's done before, which is, you're talking Sodom and Gomorrah here. Chapter 15, sometime later, the Lord said, Ezekiel, son of man, after the grape has been picked, the wood of the grapevine is used for firewood. I will punish Jerusalem with fire. It will be a wasteland. 16, the Lord said to Ezekiel, Son of man, remind Jerusalem of their wicked sins. You were born where the Canaanites lived. You were unloved and despised. I found you and took care of you like a tender young plant. You grew into a mature woman. I covered you with a robe and promised you would belong to me and I would take care of you. I cleaned you up and gave you fine clothes. But you offered yourself to others. You slept with visitors in the shrine you made. You made idols out of gold. Out of the gold I gave you. You sacrificed the oil and honey I gave you to the idol. That's really interesting too. Creating idols out of the blessing and uh, really out of the love. Out of love, God gave these people things. And they turn them into idols. Blessings turned into idols. That's a, that's, a, that's a danger, a real danger. Here we go again. You even sacrifice your own children. You refuse to remember when I took care of you. Again, there's lack of gratitude. That's the beginning of the end. Which is uh, fitting for the week of Thanksgiving. You refuse to remember I took care of you. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of me. Now you are doomed. You offered yourself to anyone, even the Egyptians. This is some, I'm, I'm giving you the light version. Um, it's pretty raw. Love the scriptures. Um, 
they get, it gets pretty explicit. Uh, so I punish you with the Philistines by letting them take over your territory, but you couldn't get enough. You disgusted the Lord. You prostituted yourself. He really goes crazy with the prostitute analogy here. Uh, you'll be shown uncovered to the nations. You will be handed over to them, and you will be sentenced to a violent death. You followed the Amorites, the Hittites, Samarian, and Sodom, and re are repulsive like them. There's really a certain um, spirit, similar spirit. He says you're like these other people. They all kept ending up in the same, very similar way of life and um, customs. and It's like it couldn't, it was very hard to break whatever was on these people. Even Even though Israel was used to to root out these other nations which who who had ingratiated themselves with this evil uh, literal spirits and gods it ends up getting on them and now babylon comes in to uh, judge them it's like a continuing process I will forgive you, but you will be too ashamed to speak. 17, the Lord said, Ezekiel, son of man, tell Israel this story. He tells a story about a eagle that takes a branch off a cedar tree and plants it. Um, it has leaves, its deep roots, and its branches grow. Do you think the grapevine will live? The grapevine is strong, but the desert wind will make it wither. He says, you know what this means. The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem uh, that he could capture Judah and take them to Babylon. He made a new king and made him swear loyalty, but the new king rebelled. I swear the king of Judah will die in Babylon. So like I said, there's like this staggered process in the exile um, where there's even like pup puppet kings at Babylon puts in place and then they rebel and then they get taken down um, the Lord will cut a twig from the top of the cedar plant it on Israel's tallest mountain it will grow strong and produce fruit birds will find shelter in it every tree in the forest will know I am God I dry up green trees and I make trees dry trees green I keep my word 18 the Lord said to Ezekiel I I hear the people say sour grapes eaten by parents leave a sour taste in the mouth of their children. I like that saying. Uh, uh, that saying will no longer be used. Only those who sin will be put to death. If a man does good, then he will live. If a man commits sin, then he will be put to death. If an evil man has a son and he refuses to act like the father and doesn't follow in his evil ways, he will live. So basically everybody's going to be accountable for their own stuff, whether uh, your parents, whatever they did, whether they were righteous or evil, you are responsible for yourself. When good people start sinning, their good deeds will be forgotten. They will be put to death. Israel says, I'm unfair. You are the ones who are wrong and unfair. I will judge each for what they have done. And this is awesome. I don't want to see anyone put to death for their sins. I don't want to see it happen to anyone, so stop sinning and live. That's really the heart of the Father under all of this rage. He really doesn't want to see any of it happen. Ezekiel 19. Ezekiel, sing a funeral song to Israel's leaders. Your mother was brave lioness who raised her cubs among lions. She taught them to hunt. He learned to eat people. The nations heard of him and trapped him in a pit, and they dragged him to his Egypt. His mother wasted waited for his return. She lost hope and raised other lions. And he killed people. The nations plotted to kill him. They set a trap, put him in a cage, and took him to Babylon. Your mother was like a vine to you. Everyone knew how strong she was. But in anger, I pulled her up by the roots and threw her to the ground. Her branches wilted. Then she was planted in a hot desert. She caught fire and burned. No branches left. She is bare. The funeral song must be sung with sorrow. That's where we leave off. Oh, and Ezekiel. 
so much there. Um, um, very similar, uh, but in in a totally different package here. Um, with these um, angelic creatures, and uh, he's being transported all over the place, and but the tone is similar. Uh, repentance. And uh, if you don't, uh, judgment's coming. And uh, really the heart of the Father, I love that part, where he says he really doesn't want to see judgment come on anybody. So please, so stop. And it's, and it's, I love how he keeps saying it's, it's already, the trumpet's already blown, it's already happening, the signal's already come. But then he's, he's also giving them another chance to turn around and repent, even though he kind of knows they won't. Um, that's our reading in the OT for this week. Let's jump over to Hebrews. We got Hebrews 10 through 13. Man, I love the book of Hebrews. Um, I totally geek out on so many rabbit trails on here. Uh, but let's get through it. Um, let's get into it, not just through it. The law of Moses, chapter 10 here. The law of Moses is a shadow of good things to come. The shadow is not the thing itself. That's good to remember. Reading the Old Testament, um, it's always good to temper uh, some of these things uh, with the gospel. That's not the thing itself. Jesus is the thing. The law cannot free people from sin by their sacrifices. If worshippers' conscience were already clean, they wouldn't need to offer sacrifices. The blood of animals cannot take away sin. Now this is really interesting to me um it was this all done like you said as a type and a shadow as a, a, a sign for for something to come sometimes it seems to me and i've talked about this before like the lord was meeting the people where they were and they understood things with this blood covenant um uh, filter. They understood things through a covenant, covenantal, literal shedding of blood, and that's where God met them, and so that was kind of the template that we took. But then there's times in here where it's not just, it wasn't just, it doesn't seem like it's God just meeting the people in their ancient ways with these blood covenants and, and s blood sacrifices. Um, for atonement, it seems like it's, it's, it is the way it is. It's not just a type and shadow. It literally is that way. And then you look at uh, Christ. He literally had to die and shed blood. And um, to me, there's a lot of mystery there. As a Westerner, I feel very removed from that. But there's something deep in me that this literal shedding of blood um, uh, resonates in my soul. And I, it, it reminds me, I was talking with, uh, I think, Pastor Tyler about this, reading the Bible. As, and I try not to, to, to uh, give too much commentary on my own ideas because I really, like, just want people to read it. And, and, and even, even commentaries and stuff like that, Try to try not to do that this time through, and just let it the scripture speak for itself as much as it can, and and have myself react to that what it is in an unfiltered kind of way. And um, I, I was telling Tyler, it's like it's like if you'll read if people will read it that way, it's like um, learning where uh, your food comes from when you're a kid, like you know your chicken nuggets. That came from uh, uh, the slaughterhouse or whatever. It came from the farm. It came from a living animal that had to die. We are sustained by the death of another living thing. In that sense, it, may, it, it, it definitely resonates in a very deep way. Um, it's like uh, it's so raw and, and real. Uh, that's part of the the beauty of the gospel and the brutality of it 
It's brutal. It's brutal. I think about that a lot. And, um, but, but it, it makes sense that it's brutal because we're in a brutal situation. Uh, so the, the weightiness of it seems fitting, I would say. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, sacrifices are not what you want. See, see, that's that part where I'm saying, wait a second. Did God really want all these sacrifices? You have given me my body. You are not pleased with animal sacrifices and offerings for sins. So, my God, I have come to do what you want. As the scripture says, the law requires these sacrifices for sin. The law. And it's also interesting. Paul talks this way several times. It's like the way the law came, they'll say it came from angels. It's like a telephone. Angel gave the law, then Moses gave it to the people, then these people throughout the years gave it, passed it down. Like as if it wasn't direct from God, some other stuff maybe got in there. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to speak speak off, but it seems like they say that sometimes. The law requires these sacrifices for sin. Why did Jesus say this? It was to do away with offerings and sacrifices and replace them. We are made holy because of Christ's offering. Priests offer sacrifices every day, but Christ's sacrifices forever. He is sitting at God's right hand until his enemies are put under his power. I love that. It's a, a quote from Psalm, put under his feet like a footstool. Interesting. Put under his power like it's going to happen, which I don't understand. Totally understand that. that mean it hasn't happened? His one sacrifice has forever set free those who bring he brings to God. The Holy Spirit, Spirit spoke by telling us the Lord said, Jerem, and he quotes Jeremiah 31, 33, This is the covenant that I will establish with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts, and I will inscribe them on their minds. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. I was thinking about the, the brutality that was taken out on Jerusalem and Judah. Um, all that graphicness and then, and the, the graphic nature of which it was taken out on Christ. Where these sins are forgiven, there is no need for sin offering. My friends, the blood of Jesus gives us courage to enter the most holy place by a new way. This is taken through Christ. We have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart, with assurance through faith. We have been washed clean and our hearts sprinkled with blood. Let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we confess. The one who made the promise is trustworthy. Let us think how we can encourage one another to love and good works, not forsaking our own assembly together. Don't forget, get together, assemble but encouraging one another as the day draws near. If we go on sinning willfully after we know the truth, there is no sac sacrifice for sin but judgment. And fires that will consume the adversaries. It reminds me of what we were just reading. He doesn't, it's not intended, that judgment, we talk about hell and stuff, that's intended for other adversaries, um, which in a, in a sense, the rejection of Christ puts us on the wrong team, the wrong side of that war. Those who trample underfoot the Son of God in his covenant and insult the Spirit of grace will be judged without mercy. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I don't, uh, you don't really hear that much. You don't hear that much, and I get it. I understand it. The um, desire to um, want people to to draw near to God—that's kind of scary, terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Uh, 
but there's a cert for for me there's a certain level of honor and respect there just like he means he's for real he me uh, he obviously means business i think sometimes people act like uh uh god would just never really engage in that way um that is not not what i'm seeing at all at the same time, that's not what he wants. Remember when you endured persecution for your faith, you accepted it with joy, knowing you had a better lasting possession to come. Don't throw away your confidence. You need endurance. So you can do the will of God and receive the promise. For in a little while he is coming, the righteous will live by faith. But he is not pleased with anyone who turns back. We are not like those who turn back and get destroyed. We keep having faith until we are saved. Now that is interesting. You're saved when you're saved. We keep going until we are saved. Uh, that's a whole theological deal there, but obviously he's saying you can turn back from it. You can hear it, turn back, and go another way. A big part of the whole book is holding on to your faith, not turning back, because you need uh, we'll, we'll get to it. He's talking about people who never saw it and kept going for it. And, it, and it's meant to uh, speak to us now. Chapter 11. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof, evidence, or conviction. I like that conviction. Of what we cannot see. I'll say that again. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for. Sure of what we hope for. Gives us proof the evidence and conviction of what we cannot see. Through faith, men of old gain approval. By faith, the world was made. It was not made by visible visible things. I love this. This is the Faith Hall of Fame here. And um, I love it because there's all these times, I talked about it this year, where they go into story mode. as part of, like, when you read the Bible in a year, it's like, big chunks you know you're you have to kind of stay with the overarching narrative and uh you see it in the book of acts a lot uh stephen or paul or peter they'll they'll go into the whole story and just tell it real fast and and here in hebrews he does the same thing but he i love it it's there's all this uh it's like sampling you know sample music with like hip-hop or with the all kinds of sample music. You take something and redo it and reform it. He does the same thing here. He retells the story, but with faith. If you notice, he starts there from the beginning. By faith, the world was made. Then he goes to Abel. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice and was approved righteous. Then he goes to Enoch. Enoch was taken and didn't see death. He was seen as pleasing to God, and we can't please God without faith. Noah, by faith, warned about things not yet seen. He warned about the flood that was about to come. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. Going to a place to receive an inheritance, he went to a foreign land. He lived in a tent. So did Isaac and Jacob, and they were later given the same promise. I love this. He was looking for the eternal city whose builder is God. Sarah was too old to have children. She had faith that God would do what he promised, and she had a son. Abraham was almost dead, and he became the ancestor of many people more than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. All those people died in faith. They still had faith even though they had not received what had been promised, but seeing it far off. They said they were strangers in a foreign land on earth. I love this. People who say that are looking for a country to call their own. Man, this, this whole speaks to me. They could have returned where they came from. They now aspire for a heavenly country. God prepared a city for them. Abraham, by faith, offered Isaac. He had been promised a son in Isaac. He considered that God could raise him from the dead. I love that idea. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the Exodus and gave orders of moving his bones. Uh, 
He believed it was going to happen and gave him instructions what to do with his bones. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents. By faith, uh, Moses refused to be Pharaoh's, a son of Pharaoh's daughter, and chose to be mistreated with God's people. He knew Egypt's pleasures were not as great as the reward received suffering for the Messiah. Because of faith, people walked through the Red Sea. By faith, people marched around Jericho. Even Rahab the prostitute had faith, and she survived. There's not enough time to tell the stories of faith from Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Their faith helped them conquer kingdoms. Although they were weak, they were given strength and power to chase armies away. Some women, women received their loved ones back from death. Some were tortured for their faith. Some did it because they were sure there was a reward. Some were stoned and beaten. The world did not deserve these good people. The world did not deserve these good people. They had to wander in the desert and live in caves. They all pleased God because of their faith. But they died without being given what was promised. Mm. God provided something better for us. Apart from us, they would not have been made perfect. Chapter 12, such a large crowd of witnesses is all around us. Get rid of everything that weighs us down, especially sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him and endured the cross and shame. I love that. The joy. What was the joy he saw on the other side of the cross? That was us. That was us. That was his brothers and sisters. Think of how Jesus endured insults and hostilities from sinners. You have re not resisted to the point of shedding of blood against striving against sin. True. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, he puts in there, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. God deals with his sons with discipline. If you have no discipline, then you are not really his son. Our earthly fathers disciplined us. How much more the father of spirits. He disciplines us for our own benefit. All discipline, discipline for the moment it's not joyful, but it's sorrowful. <laughs> I love that. But those who have tra been trained by it, it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. Strengthen their hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make the path straight. Pursue peace with all men. Without sanctification, no one will see the Lord. Don't fall short of the grace of God. Don't let a root of bitterness cause you trouble. Not sexual immorality or godlessness like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. That's, that's a whole rabbit trail. Afterwards, you know he wished he had his blessing and inheritance. He found no place of repentance, though he sought it with tears. That's, that's amazing. His eternal blessing and birthright he sold for the physical, fleshly, carnal desire in that instant moment and lost it. You have not come to the place like Mount Sinai, to the blazing fire and darkness and gloom and whirlwind and blasts of trumpet. Those who heard the voice speak begged for it to stop. They couldn't obey the command. Even animals who touched the mountain died. Moses even shook with fear. That's a, this is a the shift here. You come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, with angels and festive gathering, assembling of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to sprinkled with blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel, which spoke vengeance. The vengeance is already taken out. Make sure you obey the one who speaks. They didn't escape when they refused at Mount Sinai. Do you think you will escape? When God spoke the first time, his voice shook the earth. Now he promises one more, once more, 
I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This is again those warnings. It's coming. This reality's coming, even though people think it's never coming. Since we have received such an unshakable kingdom, let us show gratitude. 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 Thanksgiving. And offer God acceptable service with reverence and all, for God is a consuming fire. Chapter 13, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. Welcome strangers into your home. Some have welcomed angels doing this. Remember the Lord's people who are in jail and don't forget those who are suffering. Have respect for marriage. Be, a faithful, be faithful to your partner. God will punish those who are unfaithful. Live free of the love of money. Be content with what you have. And then he says this, after saying, be content with what you have, I will never desert you nor forsake you. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders in faith and imitate them. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't get carried away by strange teachings. It's better to receive God's grace than depend on food. I think he's talking about um, sacrificial food for, to idols. Food won't really help them. The priest offers animals to... Then their bodies are burned outside the camp. Jesus suffered outside the city gates. On earth we don't have a city that lasts forever, but we are waiting for such a city. Our sacrifice is to keep offering praise to God in the name of Jesus. I love that. Our sacrifice is to keep offering praise to God in the name of Jesus. Don't forget to help others and to share your possessions with them. This too is like offering a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. Obey your elders. Obey your leaders. They are watching over you and they must answer to God. Pray for us. We desire to live right and we want to visit you soon. Now the God of peace who raised him from the dead, the great shepherd through the eternal blood covenant, equip you in every good thing to do his will through Jesus. Glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy has been released and he comes soon. I will see him. Greet all your leaders and saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you. That is Hebrews, friends. The most encouraging books in the Bible. Um, man, just, I love, I love um, doing these uh, big chunks of uh, reading in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's always overlap, always, um, some way or another, because they, they're, it's the way they're written in the time and place. These people knew the scriptures and they reference them constantly. But it's not just that. It's thematic. Uh, that theme in Ezekiel of, of uh, the unseen world becoming seen. This um, impending uh, day of judgment coming. Um, uh, redemption in the sense of... Um, um, God's plan of redemption, the the brutality that was taken out on on um, Judah and Jerusalem, and from them uh, the seeds of redemption uh, was still there and continued to grow, and it grows, keeps going all the way into the person of Christ, and it's still going now. And I love the idea. Um, I say, well, why hasn't he come yet? The idea that he's still waiting. He's given, it's like uh, in Ezekiel there where he says that the signal's already happened. It's already in motion. You can't stop this. But at the same breath, he's trying to get them to turn around. And he's, he's with everything he has, God is waiting this thing out to try to get us to turn and be saved. He doesn't want that destruction and um, judgment to come on us. Like he said, that, that that's meant for these other uh, enemies of God. 
um, turn. Don't don't end up with them. That's not meant for you. And um, he doesn't want that for us. He wants us um, uh, redeemed. And and man, those scriptures in um, uh, Hebrews on faith. That's that's just. It doesn't get uh, much more inspiring than that for me uh, in terms of faith and encouraging, stirring me up to uh, continue on, to hold on to my salvation, to work work through my salvation, to that continual um, reality check, that continual reality check, that uh, putting things in proper perspective um, uh, staying in faith in the faith mindset of, of what is coming what is to come and what's going on right now so anyways thank you all so much for being with us today I think it was a very fitting reading for today I love how he said um, ends up uh, where he's talking about gratitude gratitude at the at the end of this all of this we should find ourselves in gratitude so i'm very thankful today and thank thankful to uh get to speak to you all read through the scriptures and um thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week have a great week everybody peace